Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Welcome to 2019, our first episode of the new year here on the Peristyle Podcast. We're going to talk with the coach, Harvey Hyde, about the state of the USC football program heading now into 2019. 2018 is in the rearview mirror. Going forward, we're going to talk about that. Some Pac-12 stuff, a little bit of recruiting, answer your questions. Lots to get to here on the show. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com. That's our email address. Or if you'd like to call or text us, that number is 424-254-9141. You can leave us a voicemail or you can send us a text. We'll love to, we love to hear from you and we'll play both uh, on the air and talk about those in our upcoming shows. We've got a bunch scheduled here for the new year as we're kind of getting back into the swing of things after the holiday. Hope everyone had a great holiday and coach Harvey Hyde, hope you had a great holiday as well. You know, I did have a great holiday. The only problem I have, it goes too fast, Ryan. It, it, you get all your decorations up, and you sit back, you go shopping, you get the gifts, you open them all up normally in one day, and then uh, all of a sudden another quick week uh, as far as with the bowl games, the Rose Bowl game, the Tournament of Roses parade, and all of a sudden you say, well, it's time to take the decorations down, and you say, where did the time go? I love this part of the uh, year. It's great, the celebration, the bowl games, the rewards, the awards, the coach of the year, all the great players that play and are demonstrated on all the bowl games on television. It's just great. And uh, But uh, we move on, as you say, and that's why you and I are doing show number one of 2019. And I have no idea. You used to keep count, but we uh, quit counting. Yeah, there was it was just got to, the numbers got to, to be too big. So and we started doing a couple of shows a week. So it just yeah, we it would be hard. I think we go back and count them all, but that'd be a pain in the butt. So we're not going to do that. But we don't yeah we don't know what episode this is. But it's today's episode. It's the newest episode. Of course, that means it's the most important episode because we're talking what we're talking about right now. We there's a whole show ahead of us, coach. We don't know how it's going to be filled. We'll <laughs> we'll find out in the next uh, forty five minutes or so. Uh, just want to let people know. Uh, we, you know, just had, uh, I just had a great experience with Southern California tickets and my, and the coach Harvey Hyde. Um, if you needed tickets to the Rose Bowl, that was a great place to go. Uh, you want to go to the, the Rose Parade. I did that for the first time, but you can go to Southern California tickets, SoCalTixTix.com or give them a call 1-800-888-7287. They will take care of you. It's a huge weekend. You know, Rose Bowl weekend's huge for, for coach Harvey Hyde. All these people giving him requests and stuff. He tells them to go to Southern California tickets, but he's pretty much the mayor of Pasadena. He's always ta- you know, hobnobbing at the Rose Bowl. He was telling me before the show all the celebrities he was talking to. So, Coach, I know it's your, your huge weekend of the year is the, the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. It really is. It's because you, everybody sort of gathers for the granddaddy of them all. And I, I just was talking to you about that, Ryan. I didn't want you to mention it on the podcast. But <laughs> so, really, just so many. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with Eddie George, the Heisman Trophy winner, and his son. They live now in Tennessee where he played for the Titans. And he was standing there next to me, and he says, only if I could have one more play. He says, this is where I'd want to play. 
in the Rose Bowl. He says, the turf doesn't even look like it's grass, but it is because I was down there. And he says, really, for a football player, this is football heaven. This game is uh, thought about and watched all over the the world. And his son was sitting next to me. He's 13 years old, too. And he said, you know, when uh, I grew up, I want to play in this game. And uh, it's just uh, a great pageantry. It's it just unbelievable, the people that were there. I mean, not just football players, not just coaches, uh, but from the other sports, horse racing, motor car racing. I mean, it's just something you've got to go to once. And, Ryan, you've been to it many times, and, and, and people say it's one of the things you have to do, like the Kentucky Derby or the Indianapolis 500 or the Super Bowl. Hey, the Rose Bowl is so close to us here. If you live in Southern California, if you don't go to it and really experience the day of the parade and game, it's something you wish you did someday. You really did. Because these people really do. Orlando, Pace, I mean, Hall of Famers. I mean, they're all there because uh, they played in it. They know what it means, and they're there to support their teams. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, I've been... You know, covering USC, you've been to a bunch of Rose Bowls and, you know, been to the Rose Bowl to cover UCLA games when USC plays the, you know, plays the Bruins. But I did get my first experience at the parade, which is something you do. And, you, you know, you're part of that stuff every year. And uh, that was really fun. We had a great time. I uh, had awesome seats. So thank you, coach. And uh, great. I mean, that was that was really a neat experience for being, living in Southern California for so many years. I got probably three decades now or pretty close to it. Um, never had gone to the the parade before. And, uh, that was definitely a fun experience. I had, uh, some friends that I, that I brought some friends from Germany that, that didn't even know what the Rose parade was and they loved it. So it was, it was a really cool experience. It really is. And, uh, if you're out there, it's really not as difficult to get to it or park or do any of that, uh, as you know, you might think, yeah, they talk about a million people lining the parade route. Maybe it is, uh, Maybe it's 800,000 or 700,000. When you get to that number, it doesn't make any difference how many there are. But uh, if you go early enough and you're not panicked and you get your parking and you do a dry run maybe the day before to you know exactly where you're going, it's just a beautiful event. It just is, and I would recommend that too. But, Ryan, let's talk USC Trojan football. Yeah, but real quick before we get into that, I wanted to get your thoughts on what this means for USC going forward because USC is the bell cow program in the PAC 12, another disappointing year for the PAC 12 Washington made a run at it in the second half, but um, anyway, it was 28 to three and we saw Ohio state kind of do this against USC uh, last year in the cotton bowl. They kind of take your foot off the gas and just kind of cruise home. USC wasn't really able to score any points when, when Ohio state was in that mode, Washington did. So they made a run at the end, but um, you know, wasn't able to, to overcome what Ohio State was doing. They were dominating the game in the first half. Utah was dominating the game in the first half and then completely collapsed in the second half, turned the ball over five times, I think, in the third quarter alone. But overall, the Pac-12 last year was 1-8, and eight, this year 3-4, and four, but was favored in five of those seven bowl games. So there's some pretty favorable bowl matchups uh, for the Pac-12. And to have a losing record again, uh, and to have basketball be in the the tank, I don't know what what you think this means for USC going forward, but it's not a it's not a positive trend. I would say the the programs, you know, USC is not trending positive really, but the the programs around USC not either. No, I agree with you there, but so much are uh, gauged now on how you do in bowl games and so on. It wasn't, but now it is because everybody has so many stats and everybody mentions it like you just did. That when you go three and four, that's not really good. And when you think about the three games you won, you won 
Washington State by two points, Oregon by one point, and uh, somebody, oh, 14, 13. Yeah, Stanford won by one point, too. (laughs) One point. You know, those aren't smashing victories. And uh, and then when you look at the stats of the Rose Bowl game, and again, you know, uh, USC did the same thing to Ohio State last year. They outstatted them, but stats don't count. Washington really outstatted outstatted the uh, Ohio State team in all areas, even time of possession, 35 minutes to 24 minutes. But this, the score is what counts, and, and I have to agree with you. Sometimes you, you jump out on the team, and then all of a sudden that team loses its momentum and figures they got the game won, and, uh, and it's difficult to get yourself back to play again. It happened last year in the Rose Bowl when Georgia and Oklahoma played. George, Oklahoma was up on Georgia, and Georgia came back and beat them. So you're never, I used to always say, don't substitute too early. And my coaches used to always say, hey, let's get so-and-so in the game. Or let's get so-and-so in the game. And I used to say, you just hold on. Things could change. We're not just going to get so-and-so in the game until I know we won that football game. And that Rose Bowl went down to, I'm not saying Washington would have scored, but an onside kick. And uh, Urban Meyer was having a fit again over it because you never know what can happen in a football game today. And that's what makes him so exciting. But, yeah, I have to agree with you. And the thing that's bad about it, Ryan, so many Southern California recruits are not leaving the state because of this. I mean, uh, this big kid, Wyatt Davis, out of St. John Bosco, he starts for Ohio State, a redshirt freshman in the Rose Bowl game. And he's so excited about playing at home in front of all of his people and the team practicing the St. John Bosco, where he went to school, and all of that type of excitement. You know, all these players now are leaving. The top uh, defensive back from modern day is already con- uh, committed to LSU, and players are all over the world. Uh, I mean, all over California and other states, Nevada and so on, Arizona, they're all going out to these schools that have 90,000, 100,000, 70,000 people at every game. And where it's huge, where football really means something, and 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 people are there, and you're you're involved in it. And right now in the Pac-12, it's not there. It's just not there, and it's not getting the marketing that's necessary. And and you look at L.A. Nothing against USC and L.A. or UCLA, but look at the competition as far as uh, marketing your football program. You've got the Rams. You've got the Chargers. They're both doing well. You've got the Lakers with LeBron James. You've got the Clippers. You've got the Ducks. You've got the Kings. You've got the Dodgers. You've got the Angels. You've got two soccer teams. Well, you know, you've got to compete against all that. Now, you go to Tuscaloosa, and it's the University of Alabama. Nothing else or Baton Rouge, LSU, or wherever they might go, Norman, Oklahoma. So, you know, kids look at all of this type of stuff of who you can be on a certain football program. So that's why it's so important for USC to get it going and dominate, especially in this type of environment in Southern California, where kids and people have a choice on what they can do or what they want to do. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's good you could touch on the recruiting aspect too. With the Pac-12 struggling, you might see more, and you are seeing more players going out of state. Now we saw that back in the nineties and stuff. And then Pete Carroll really turned things around. He put a, you know, he, he helped, I think not just USC get more local players, but I think the rest of the PAC 12 got more players too. So as the PAC 12, like the, you know, slides down the relevance scale, maybe we see more of these recruits slide out uh, of the, the region and go somewhere else instead of, 
not that USC is going to get all these guys, but instead of going to, um, you know, Oregon or Washington, now Oregon's recruiting really well, but you maybe see some of these kids going elsewhere. Like you said, uh, the 2020 cornerback from modern day going to LSU. Um, so we'll, we'll kind of see where that does, you know, where it is going forward, but not a, not a positive trend, I guess, for the PAC 12 right now. And USC is obviously in that, but you know, we talk USC football here. So I want to see where you think USC is, is trending. It's a new year. Before we jump into some of these questions, is this a program that's, you know, obviously there's been some turmoil, five and seven and all that, but you think it's a program, the moves that were made in the offseason with five new coaches that's getting better or is it, is it on the decline? Where, where do you feel like this, this program's going right now, coach? Well, Ryan, you know, I really think it's uh, going to be better than what it was. I, I really do. And you say, well, what, what do you mean? They didn't have a great recruiting year. They're 22nd in the country or so on. Well, I'm not talking about the recruits. You know, you, I'll tell you what type of recruiting they, year they had in four years, okay? I'm one of those kids uh, mature and play or a junior year when they're juniors and so on. Right now, you got to worry about next year. And if you have too many freshmen to come in and play right away, then you didn't do a good job of recruiting last year, the year before. Not that these players aren't great players that can do that, and you might need them, but the core of your program and what happens to that program is the kids that you have now – in the weight room and, and the people who are buying in and not thinking about transferring or leaving for the NFL and all of that stuff that surrounds the football program today. Because I really think now USC will have more of an identity, and in the past they haven't had an identity. I mean, we've talked about this. I've talked about it. What is this identity? Last year after the Cotton but we're going to be more physical. We're going to be physical. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. We're going to be physical. And they weren't physical. They were soft. I never saw him work on being physical. So you can't talk about things you're not going to do or not going to be. Right now, I know what their philosophy is offensively. You leave, you leave Cliff Kingsbury alone, and that's exactly why you hired him. Uh, I don't want to go back and say how many of you guys watched Urban Meyer work yesterday or Chris Peterson work yesterday, but they don't do anything but manage the game. In some situations, uh, Urban Meyer was 30 yards away from the offensive coordinator when Ohio State had the ball, because he's controlling it in his headset, not in the huddle. That's what these guys are paid for. So at least you know now Cliff comes in, and you know what the philosophy is. The identity is we're going to throw the football. We're going to run high tempo. We're not going to talk about running high tempo and everybody stands on the line of scrimmage and looks to the sideline and you wonder, why didn't you huddle up? So you have an idea of what you're going to see, and you have an offensive coordinator that's been an offensive coordinator with one of the top offenses in the country and a head football coach. So he knows how to handle people. He knows how to run his staff, and he's done it. And he brings in a coach, uh, thinks the running back coach who's been there with him before, and he's going to coach the quarterbacks. And here's a guy who's coach the quarterbacks, not a first-time guy, nothing against those guys, but they've never coached this level of quarterback in an offense that, you know, the offensive coordinator is the guy running the show and should be talking to the quarterback. You've got a receiver coach that played receiver. That sounds good. you got a, a defense, or you got a Baxter's back at the tight ends. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but that's what he's coaching. Probably Cliff needed a, an extra guy to walk around with the tight ends or teach them what they needed to do. 
And you got Drevno now coaching with the offensive line, and you hope that he can relay the philosophy of what Cliff wants to the offensive line as far as being technique guys, as far as running and the, the way they run the football is off of the passing game. Their running game is also their passing game is also including the running backs, and they run the football, and they run screens, and they do all the different things and draws that we've been talking about. And the quarterback is more active in the offense than any quarterback has ever been at USC as far as he'll run a quarterback draw, run the spread, don't even have a remaining back, spread everything, and the quarterback runs the ball right up the middle. So he wants to find out who can manage his offense and who is the best at doing that. Uh, So, you know, the quarterbacks he's a coach are all athletic type of guys. So I really believe if he's opening up the competition as he's saying it will be, then it'll be really a mystery, and we'll really find out who this is going to be as far as the quarterback. And if they give him the leeway to decide that, that'll be the most positive thing I've heard. So the offensive side of the football, I can't help but think it's better, okay, as far as an identity and what we can expect. In fact, it'll be fun watching spring practice to see something like this put together. On the defensive side of the football, I think it should be better. As far as the coaching side of the game, first of all, you've got one extra coach. You've picked up the coach that used to be the quarterback coach, is now gone to the linebacker coach. He's coaching the offensive linebackers. And we've got Nason inside with the deep inside linebackers. You can't have one guy coach inside and outside linebackers. It's two different techniques completely. And then again, on the defensive side of the football, I hope they get the right players on the field. Guys that can really come up the field on the outside linebackers and defensive end and cause havoc uh, with the contain and with their quickness and size. Lanky, quick guys that are gazelles, man, that just fly off the line of scrimmage and beat their tackle, beat the uh, opponents to tackle out of their stance. So I think they're better there. Their defensive line, nothing against the defensive line coach that was there before, but he hadn't had the experience of coaching the defensive line. you got a defensive line coach now that's been at several or many different type of program, different programs, and he's Polynesian. He comes in, he's got a lot of Polynesian players, and I hope that he can motivate those Polynesian players to play up to the level they're supposed to be playing at. Because they, I don't think they've been playing at the level they're supposed to be playing at, okay? And you hear me talk about that all the time as far as getting the push and reacting and getting to the football and dominating the line of scrimmage. So I, I think that's a, a plus. And then you bring in a defensive back coach who's going to coach the corners, Burns. He's been there before. Uh, now he's been around the world as far as different locations, but he's been in Southern California before. And I would assume, and I'd hope, well, I hate to say this, but they couldn't get any worse than they were last year as far as giving up uh, pass interferences and big plays on long yardage and so on. So I think they'll be better. And the way I understand it, Pendergrass is going to coach the safeties, which will be good. And if Bubba Bolton can come back, I think that'll be really good. I think they react a little bit quickly on him disappearing, like they do a lot of people. So I think that's uh, going to be good. I, I just want to make sure they have an enforcer. And that enforcer might be the defensive line coach and the outside linebacker coach. At least I hope they are the type of guys that dominate with their coaching as far as being vocal and getting these guys to respond. 
far as the special teams, I don't know what to tell you, but you have the same coordinator there on special teams. But that's how I look at USC right now. I think they should be better on the offensive side of the football, but they'll have an identity. And on the defensive side of the football, they picked up a coach, and they picked maybe up a, a coach on the defensive line that not only do we know he has the experience, uh, but can be a dominator. So I'm looking for all this and see what happens, Ryan. Well, there's a lot of stuff to unpack there, Coach. Um, good good information. You know, one of the things you mentioned is Bubba Bolden. We're going to talk about him in a second um, because we had a question from Nick on that. So we'll talk about that situation. But there's also, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, one of USC's coaches. So we have some breaking news or news to talk about with that. So since we've talked the last time, uh, there's been reports that Cliff Kingsbury interviewed to become the Houston Cougars head coach. Um, so, you know, didn't, you know, obviously they, they went a different direction. So that's not, uh, you know, they, they, outward, they didn't hire Cliff Kingsbury. He's sticking around at USC. But then the last couple of days we start, or last day, I guess we could say, we start seeing reports that uh, Cliff Kingsbury, and this was according to the NFL Network and other reporters that we've seen, uh, is going to interview to become the head coach, an NFL head coach with either or both the New York Jets and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, now, his name was definitely talked about as far as NFL positions go. He was, I think he won like 35% of his games or something as the head coach at Texas Tech. But with Patrick Mahomes doing so well, it's a copycat league. You knew his name was going to be talked about. And you got guys like Sean McVay doing well. The young, offensive-minded head coach is a thing right now. That's where the NFL kind of wants to go. So you could sort of see NFL general managers, uh, you know, owners kind of going in this direction. I didn't think it would happen this year and probably still won't. I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. But I know USC fans are a little bit worried, Coach, that, you know, Cliff Kingsbury, who they just hired, and really the most positive thing Going into 2019, following a five and seven season and, and watching the Bulls where USC wasn't involved, the most positive thing that's happened is hiring Cliff Kingsbury. If he left to be to coach like Sam Darnold in the New York Jets, I'm not sure what the fan base would do, but I want to get your thoughts on those reports and if you think something like that's possible and what it would really mean for USC. No, I really think it's possible. First of all, uh, they'll put a package together. If you see what John Gruden got and some of these other guys, it depends on uh, how much they want him. They could put a package together that you could almost not uh, turn down. And again, your family's very important to you too. And you, the NFL is something that's uh, a cha- uh, what is it, a goal of everybody to coach in. But I think there's other stipulations you have to consider. I don't think he'd have turned down the Houston head coaching position. That had probably two million a year, at least, uh, to stay at USC. Uh, just to say I'm staying at USC is a great challenge. I think there's something in his contract that's going to say somewhere along the way in that contract that he's guaranteed to be the next head football coach at USC. Now, I don't know how it says that or what it says there, but uh, you don't pass up a head coaching position just to pass it up as you say you love a place, okay? You've got to remember it's a brutal game and loyalty means nothing to anybody anymore as far as the players and the coaches and whatever you know one day you say you're going to be there the next day they fire you okay so i think you got to look out for yourself more now than you ever did before 
and the monies are so big that money is now dictating everything. So there's a lot going on here with Cliff that uh, that maybe we, the public, or the people that report or talk about it don't know because you turn out a job at Houston where, of course, he had been and knew what was going on there, and and uh, they wanted to have him back, and they would have paid him big bucks uh, because he thinks there's something bigger out there. He turned that down because he thinks there's something bigger, whether it's a USC job as the head football coach, and I don't like that personally because, uh, you know, you're there and, I'm sure Clay Helton knows that. I mean, there's no doubt about that. So who is the people? Who are the people playing for? Uh, who's the, who's the the face of the program? Is it, is it Kingsbury or is it Clay Helton? I don't hear much about Clay Helton. Well, it's all about Kingsbury. So uh, I would think that if he's offered the job at the Jets or offered the job at one of these places, it would be a serious uh, decision for him. And it, I think right now, at this point, it'd be a disaster for USC. Yeah. As far as all of what's gone on, and to try to replace him and start all over again, but Ryan. I'm just being honest with you. No, I think you I think you're right. I think it would be a disaster. I tweeted like, "Yeah, if that happens, I'm going to take a couple of months off." Um, now, there's eight eight head coaching jobs open in the NFL. Um, his name came up a couple of them, and you know they came up sort of before too, before he ended up. Uh, signing with USC after we reported that it, you know they had come to a some sort of agreement. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think those are one of those opportunities that if you're going to fail up like that, get fired. You know, at Texas Tech, your alma mater, where everybody loves you, and they really didn't want to fire Cliff Kingsbury. Um, but it wasn't. You know, obviously they weren't. They weren't winning. They weren't go, going in the right direction. They wanted to do something else. But the and the NFL would hire him. I mean, that's that's kind of crazy, but. We've seen crazier things. Um, it's sort of like right now, you're just hoping. I don't know if there's anything Clay Hilton could do or Lynn Swan could do if the the Jets come in and they're going to pay him like $8 million a year or something to take over the the franchise. You know I mean? I, I just don't think you can compete with that, obviously. Um, so it's, uh, we'll see. But I, I kind of feel like this is out of USC's control at this point. There's really nothing you can do. If someone on your staff, if a head, if an NFL team wants to hire them as a head coach, um, you know, I, I th- there's not much USC could do. No, and not only that, he's not the one talking to the NFL. His agent is okay. His agent is uh, testing the waters out there, and who knows? Maybe to get him another million dollars a year at USC or two million dollars a year at USC. I don't know what they're paying him because you leverage all of that out too. Well, I'll stay, but. This is what I need. Oh, okay, I need an extension, and I need another million dollars <laughs> a year. I mean, no, really, this is this is what's done. You play back and forth against everybody. Now, this is what it is. And that's why you have an agent, because you don't have to gut yourself to ask for it. Okay, so you have an agent do it who gets a percentage of it, and and that's the way it goes. So that's what you're in now, and and uh, that's what you have to live with. You'll probably hear this three or four times every year he's there. And uh, in a way, now don't get me wrong, in a way it's good to see that USC has somebody on their staff that somebody's interested in. I mean, and I'm not trying to be, you know, sarcastic or negative, but uh, who was anybody interested in before? Right. And now now you've got maybe a coach or two that people are interested in. The only thing is you might lose the running back coach too if Cliff leaves. So... 
See, there's a lot of things involved today, and we'll have to wait and see. I certainly hope that doesn't happen. I really do, as far as for the best interest of USC. But you really know, don't know what's going to happen today, because like you just said a moment ago, I mean, he just experienced the, the loyalty portion of that from from Texas Tech, and he's saying, right now I'm protecting my family and myself. That's the most important thing. Yeah, we'll see what happens there, but just something to keep your, you know, be aware of as USC fans. And if you're like on the message boards on Twitter, people are already talking about it. So we'll, we'll see where that goes. Um, but we also, there's a other kind of potential news that was happening over the break uh, that I came back and Nick from Cyprus, uh, big Nick 21 USC from the P had a question on. So we'll talk about it with his question. Uh, what are your thoughts on the possibility of Bubba Bolden coming back to USC and should he? And just so people know, if you haven't heard about this yet, so if you remember, he was suspended um, right before the opener uh, last, you know, last year, 2018, uh, right before they played UNLV. Uh, but we were able to confirm uh, on the site that USC Safety Bubba Bolden had been reinstated by the university. So he can re-enroll on January 7th for the spring semester, which is coming up in a couple of days. Uh, but from what we were told, that had, decision hadn't been made yet per source. So um, he was suspended from the team before the season opener, like I said. Uh, and then he withdrew from the university back in October following a student conduct issue. So he uh, USC, there was an official statement. I'll read that for you real quick. Because of the recent state court rulings, changing the procedure required during an investigation, the office that oversees student discipline at USC is reopening an investigation involving Bubba Bolden, a former safety on the football team. As a result, he will be permitted to return to class for the spring semester, if he so chooses, pending the outcome of the reopened investigation. Because the case involves student disciplinary uh, matters that are protected by privacy, privacy laws, USC is unable to provide additional details. So um, basically, you know, he lost his case or whatever inside the, the USC, um, you know, the student discipline uh, there's some laws that were changed, and now he's going to be allowed to return to class. So they basically suspended him from two years. He wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, be on campus for two years, um, and now he can be. Will he be though? We're not sure. And if he is, you know, reinstated to, you know, he comes back and enrolls in the university. Would he be allowed back on the football team? That's another question. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on on that, Coach. That that whole situation. Well, I think that's part of the confusion at USC. Nobody knows what's going on anywhere. I mean, I don't know if there's a leadership, but uh, if you look around on campus, the fraternities are suing people. This person's suing somebody else. Uh, I mean, all the problems that are going on, and they, you know, they eliminate players. Bubba Bolden, uh, never tell you anything. He's just gone. He's out of school. Uh, I mean, you know, the, that doesn't help you too in recruiting. Levi Jones, he's gone. What happened? Who knows? Uh, Broom, I said, uh, the place kicker, he's gone. Can't even get back in. He's history. I mean, I could go through that tackle. I don't know, that tackle that just disappeared. I don't even know if he ever went to school anywhere. I mean, I mean, these type of things, I mean, sort of, you know, when, when you're in recruiting, doesn't sit well for you. It doesn't make your image of, of who's in charge or who is in control what your athletic department and the discipline portion of it or who makes the decisions, who can play and who can't play. And I, and you know exactly what happened in that situation, but Bubba Bolden, I mean, 
I mean, really, uh, to dis- you know, you can't just, I mean, you know, you can't just do this to people. You got to have really a, you can't be guilty. You got you. I thought you used to think this. I used to tell my administrators, I thought you're innocent until proven guilty. I thought that was what our country was about. Okay. But now it's just, Jeff, get rid of him. Uh, cut his scholarship. I mean, uh, ruin his image. I mean, how do you think he felt walking around this kid, not knowing, you know, and people say, what happened? What happened? You're out. Jeez. He's a terrible guy. I mean, you know, give the kid a chance to explain the situation and what's going on and and see what's going on. But to come back, well, okay, there's been a different ruling. we got to change it, give him an opportunity. Then they don't even sound like they really want him to come back as far as, you know, I haven't heard a thing out of the athletic department saying we're excited about this opportunity of him coming back and this and that and whatever. Maybe they're not allowed to say anything. I don't know. But, uh, boy, he certainly would help the secondary. He's a heck of a player, five-star player. I watched him play in, in high school. He's a heck of a player. He's recruited by everybody in the country. And you know that, Ryan, but you do that. And you can't run off guys like that and run off Levi Jones and run off these others uh, like this because it comes back to bite you. It's tough to go into Texas and recruit when, well, what happened to Levi Jones? Well, what happened to Bubba Bolden? Well, what happened? That's why the players now at what Bishop Gorman, two go to, what, Ohio State. I mean, I mean, you know, they should be coming here to USC or, or whatever. So, you know, I, I'm very disappointed in all of that. And, uh, and, uh, you know, and, and what, what's happened there. Okay. Let me just say that, you know, they've got all these little, uh, groups now. I don't know what they call them that control discipline and they do this and they do that. And they got a fraternity group that does this and another group that does this. I don't know how they run everything that's going on over there anymore, but, <laughs> but you know, it's, it seems like I hear this from everywhere I go. As far as other people, more people getting in trouble or more groups or fraternities thrown off campus or whatever, I, I you know, it just seems like that somebody's got to start to ride the horse, okay? Yeah. Right now, the horse is horseless. doesn't have a rider. <laughs> um, we had a couple of text messages, uh, Coach. One uh, on the Rose Bowl, Marcel in San Gabriel Valley said, is this the parody Larry Scott is looking for? Um, so, yeah, I thought that was funny. Not, not, a, not a positive... Uh, not a positive finish for the Pac-12. But we also got one from Sean. Uh, with all the talk about the new coaches and who was left behind, did you hear any rumors or do you think there could be they could be waiting to go after NFL assistants uh, and make some more changes to the staff? Well, yeah, I do. Uh, I think that uh, Pentagrass, with all these openings going on right now, uh, I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see him go to an NFL team. Uh, not that he doesn't like coaching at USC, but he doesn't like really the recruiting portion of it. He could probably, probably get him, uh, himself a nice defensive coordinatorship. He's got a great rep in the NFL and go back to the NFL. Now, I'm not saying he's going to do this, but wouldn't be a bit surprised to see that happen. Uh, as far as any other coach on the USC coaching staff, uh, they've made the decision that Drevno is going to be the offensive line coach. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I don't think there'll be any other changes on the on the staff right now, but wouldn't be a bit surprised to see Pentagrass go to the NFL. Now, will that happen? I don't know, but don't be surprised. 
Yeah, we'll see what happens there. We actually have a voicemail about uh, Clancy Pendergast. I'll play that for you and get your thoughts. Here you go. Hey, Ryan Curtis from Moreno Valley. Um, Coach Helton did not have to fire uh, Clancy Pendergast because think about it. We don't usually give up a lot of points. Sometimes Clancy figures out ways to shut these offenses down, take away their best players. I mean, they go after the quarterback. We got enough talent to, to, you know, at least make it work sometimes. Sometimes he breaks down and has bad games. But if you pair the offense that we're going to have with Kingsbury with the defense that we're going to have with Clancy, just check this. How many times have we had opponents shut out in the first half with Clancy? I've seen it many times. They don't have any points or very few in the first half. Then they adjust, and he doesn't adjust well after that in the second half. But think about it. Think about the leads that we jumped to in the first half this season on the road and at home, and then we couldn't adjust in the second half. I think Kingsbury's offense will help us win those type of games in the second half just because they're going to still score points. He doesn't ever take his foot off the gas pedal. Curtis from Moreno Valley. Well, Curtis, I think you're right. Uh, The more time a defense spends on the field, uh, uh, the the more points you're going to give up, and not always are they points that that uh, you gave up. When you look at the averages, there's always turnovers that are involved. They uh, get poor field position, interceptions, that are thrown and against him, and all of a sudden the game starts to change, and you're playing a lot more on the field because the offense isn't moving the football. And if you look at the stats there on how many games uh, the offense didn't score or move the football much in the second half, that obviously, too, puts your defense on the field more. And, uh, you know, it's easy to point fingers here and there and everything. But everything's got to mesh, and everything's got to work, and you've got to be able to have a, uh, a team that's on the same page as far as your offense complements your defense, your defense complements your offense. And you've always heard me say that you don't have an offense and a defense, you have a team. And that's why I always used to have my offensive players stretch with the defensive players. And I used to intermingle them in a lot of different activities uh, so that they all knew that we were a team. We're not just the Cardinal on one and the, or the white jerseys and dark jerseys. No, boy, we're all one, and we all play the same way. So, uh, you know, you all win and you all lose. You've heard that many times, Curtis. Uh, you're obviously an athlete and, and did play or coach football. So, you know, I, you know, you can point fingers, but uh, uh, you've got to be able to have a – philosophy and an and identity of who you are and I think and I hope that that happens this year with the USC football program but uh, as Ryan just mentioned to me I really didn't consider much about Kingsbury leaving but if that happens here you go again so I hope that doesn't happen we uh we got a long voicemail from uh I think it was Racine in Riverside uh it was over three minutes and it got cut off Sorry, Racine. I, I, I definitely recommend if you got a lot of stuff to say, you can go to the uscfootball.com message boards because, you know, we can't play stuff that's over like a minute long or so. Uh, certainly not three minutes long getting cut off. But he's a former um, official. You remember he, he's called in before. He was uh, comparing 
if you remember in the Washington State game, one of the Washington State receivers caught a ball with his legs. Comparing that to what uh, happened to Amon Ross St. Brown uh, against Notre Dame, I believe the play he's talking about is when it was it became an interception. Um, he says whoever has the when it comes to control of the ball, whoever has it first, that's usually, that's where the officials that's what they're taught to give them control of the ball. But he thought USC kind of got hosed on that play. Uh, and other many other plays too, like the, the safety against Texas. He wants Clay Helton to get an official in the booth to tell him when something's wrong. So it's something he could complain to the officials. Um, I, so he's he's got a lot of strong opinions on the officiating of, of how things go, Coach. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Well, I'll tell you what, not a bad idea. I'll tell you, you have so many staff members now, you might as well add one more. Hire somebody that's an expert or retired uh, college referee that knows the rules and the regulations and obviously he has a replay camera in front of him and he can call down and say that's the wrong interpretation of the rule or and uh, advise coach clay and i wouldn't be a bit surprised if all these other coaches have something like that uh, so they know when to throw their flag or challenge uh, the play and i think that's a heck of an idea i really do and i and i think another thing that USC could do at practice, and Ryan, you're there a lot too, is I, I used to have officials at the practice all the time, even on pass rush drills. You know, when, when you have offense against defense, tackles against tackles, or guards against guards, or tackles against defensive ends, or one-on-ones or whatever, I had an official there say, son, you're holding. Son, I'm going to make that call. Son, now you could get away with that, but you're close. Or, you know, these type of things where kids get coached up Every single down in practice, not just in a scrimmage, because you can't coach every kid in a scrimmage because you got to watch the whole front and do these different things. And in the scrimmage, the coaches don't want you talking to the players because you slow it down. So, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can improve on your penalties and interpretation of the rules and all these different things. And I think you've got to do everything you can to win. The difference of winning and losing today is such a small percent of things doing right or going right or wrong that if you can have someone in the booth to assist you, you should do that. I would demand that we do that. Same thing with on practice. I would have every drill officiated, every drill almost. Pass blocking with the backs and, you know, block backs. Is that a cut? Special teams, the whole thing. Because, uh, hey, those type of penalties will kill you. And uh, you can't have those, and you got to coach them up all the time. That is a really interesting uh, suggestion because if you are an official uh, calling USC game and you know there's like a former official watching everything and basically like, you know, I, I love when like Mike Pereira or someone like that's on Fox and they, they point out, okay, that call, this should go this way or that way or whatever – yeah, I think you knowing that someone that knows what they're doing is like judging you. And if Clay Helton knows that, you know, Clay Helton lets them know, hey, my official's saying blah, 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 blah. Um, you might call it a little bit differently. I think that's a very interesting suggestion. And certainly if it, you know, if it helps, um, you know, just his own, you know, Clay Helton's own knowledge, like, hey, this, maybe you don't even realize you're getting screwed at, at one point or something. So I thought that's, that's a very interesting one. We'll see. I, I think it's a great one. I'll tell you another thing, too. you got to let the officials know you're on top of them, too. You know, can't be a nice guy all the time. You know, I guess, hey, I do this full-time for a living guy. Hey, I make my living doing this. You're probably doing something else during the week. You better get your eyes open up, damn it. I'm going <laughs> to blackball you. I mean, you can't. you got to be nice, 
But again, you had a you got to have authority on your sideline, not only with the officials, but with your team, your coaches, the whole thing. Yeah. And those officials will be more sharp. They'll be sharper knowing that you're right on top of them. Okay. And you grade those guys. And I want you to know, I got your name and your number on the jersey. Don't worry. You'll hear from us. I'm going to send a copy of that to the conference office on tape. Yeah, and then then the next time they're making a, a questionable call against you, maybe they think twice about it because they know no, they do. Yeah, I'm telling you, they're human. They're human. They think about that stuff. They make a lot of money and they're having a lot of fun, and they don't want to lose that opportunity. Nice. We got one last one, quick from Don. Don's never uh, all that high on Clay Helton, just to be to be fair. But he's like, does Clay Helton sound like a sports information director or a head coach? during his press conferences does he sound believable and or insightful uh what that's what don wants to know what do you think about that well uh he has a different approach than most head coaches you know most head coaches don't say much most head coaches uh aren't as friendly as he is with everyone most head coaches make you ask the questions and you decide whether how much information you want to give them uh, he opens up happy Friday, everybody, or happy Thursday, everybody, you know, and, uh, really congenial and sort of relaxes everybody that they get the guts to ask him some questions or whatever. Uh, I would think that, uh, uh, he, you know, he volunteers the injury reports. He volunteers everything that really, when it's coming time for you to ask some questions, he's damn near answered them all already. As far as me listening, I, I don't, I don't ask a question. Sometimes I've hang around just to hear what you guys ask him, but uh, I don't know. I think he's a good guy, and I think he supplies the information that's necessary. You know, he could have closed practices if he wanted to, and uh, that would make it more difficult and harder to get information on the Trojans. So I think he's he's willing to do what he has to do. I think he's got to be more stern. And uh, more saying, I'm not going to answer that question. Or uh, I'm not ready to answer that question. Or I'll tell you tomorrow. I don't know. I think he's got to be more protective of what he gets out to everybody. I do. Not that you guys won't become more investigated. But I think he's got to be more in control of who he is and what he's doing. Yeah, it's funny. Now, he is, to be fair, like there's stuff that he won't say. You know, if there's like the Bubba Bolden situation, something like that happens. We could get stuff from other coaches. Pete Carroll might give his thoughts on things. Like if, if Pete Carroll thought that like a player was um, wrongly uh, suspended or whatever, like you would hear that from him. Clay Helton doesn't do that. So he, if it's a university matter, he lets that alone. He doesn't it, you know add anything to that. Um, he does have the friendly stuff like Happy Wednesday, everybody, things like that. He will talk about injuries. Um, we might see, we usually see a little bit more restriction on practice, like going forward, we might see more of it. Who knows? Maybe at some point they'll close them off completely. We just, we just don't know as, as far as that stuff changes. I think that what we get from fans coach, the, the, the most feedback we get is if like urban Meyer or Nick Saban, they will say, you know, we sucked. If there was something happened, even if you win a game, but you do something you beat a team that you should beat by, you know, 40 and you beat them by 10. They're going to come out and say the offensive line was bad or whatever. And we don't normally hear stuff like that. We don't hear the like personal constructive criticism um, from Clay Helton. He's mostly more positive. He's like trying to find the silver lining. And I feel like 
sometimes you just have to say, man, we sucked. And we see other like major coaches do that. That that's most of the feedback we get from some of the fans coaches that they'd like to see that a little bit more. I think you need that honesty because you, uh, you know, you can't cover up that you don't look good. You can't cover up the, you know, the first feeling is you go to the same game we went to. I mean, uh, you know, my kids really played high, but we got beat 50 to 10. Uh, well, what are you talking about? Who cares how hard they played? You weren't very good and you didn't do things right. I agree with you. I used to say, uh, I'm going to make them walk home. You think I'm kidding you? They don't deserve to fly on the plane. They'll take a bus. Or many times I'd even say, when we get home, we're going to practice. We're not going home. We're going to go practice. I mean, yeah, you've got to be honest with people. You know, you can't protect your players all the time, but then you're protecting them but when they do things. You've got to tell them the truth. And when a guy gets in trouble, you've got to support the kid, too. Say, I don't know what happened, but he's a hell of a kid. And I think he's innocent until proven guilty. You know, we recruited him. I'm going to support him. We'll see what happens. I mean, I th- I think he gets very scared or he's paranoid on talking about anything that uh, that he's afraid that the school might get mad at him about something. I mean, yeah, you got to protect your family, man. I mean, when you go to, when you go to war, you all come down that alley together, you know, and uh, otherwise. Uh, you're not going to have that complete support on the field on game day either. I agree with you on that, Ryan. I think you're very, very astute on that because he does not address uh, the negative portions of the team strongly as far as making sure that everyone understands that he's not satisfied with what they're going to do, not just say, we're going to correct that this week. I mean, hey. What do you mean? You've been correcting things everywhere. You know <laughs> what I mean? You, you, that's a statement. You know that we're going to correct it this week. Yeah. And there's, there's certain like terms that he'll use that, well, whenever he says that, I just cringe because I know I'm going to get 50 tweets and a bunch of message board posts. Like, you know, if he talks about physical beats or situational mastery, like there's certain terms that he'll say that he'll use over and over again. And then people just get on me. Like, why is he saying that? I'm like, I don't know. Like, I, you know, <laughs> it just happens. There's, Things like that to go oh, on. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's good to be mad. I, I mean, tell you that because you expect him to be pissed. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, I mean, really, I, I didn't mean to use that term, but really, oh come on, hey guys, let's make this short. I got to get in. This is, you know, we're going to beat anybody the way we're practicing. And yeah. I tell the coaches that too, and if they can't get it done, I'll get new coaches. Yeah, you'd you'd like to hear something like that at some yeah. point and that's not you know that's definitely not been um his mo when it when it comes to things and you know he'll come back and i feel like even after the season when lynn swan made the statement and said we got to change all this stuff culture and discipline and personnel and and staff and um and and then what we heard the the you know the latest press conference we got from clay helton was he apologized for losing some close games late and it's it's one of those things where now you're trying to like make it look like it really wasn't that bad, um, but like yeah we, you know, we were really close to beating a pretty bad Cal team or we were really close to beating a oh, two and two and eight UCLA teams like that's not what fans really want to hear like yeah so what if you won that game if you were seven and five and you won those two games that it's still not enough you know it's still not like hey there's things that need to be done better and you know I think Clay Helton will probably do a lot of that stuff internally. But he never like lets that out. Like never says, "I was so." I mean, 
we lost to Cal or Arizona State. How do we lose that game or whatever? Or we blew, you know, we gave up 34 straight points or whatever it is. It's usually more of some kind of positive spin. Well, there was this turnover and and we just didn't do that right or whatever. And and I think that's where fans are like, no, just come out and say, man, that was terrible. And I think they would feel better about it. Like you, they felt it was terrible, but if you never say it's terrible, then they don't think you know what you're talking about. I guess you could say. No, you're right, and the team's got to hear it too and read about it. Uh, that he's not happy at all with the coaching or the play of the athletes, and you know if these guys can't do it. I'll get somebody that can. Yeah, that's all of it. And everybody says, "Hmm, good. That's what we want to hear." And uh, and I think the kids listen to that too. And I think you got to coach that way. Like I told you, when I go on the practice field, it sounds like a library. Okay, so I mean you got to get the word out of what you expect from players. And if you're not practicing hard, then we're going to start over. I don't care what you're going to do. But uh, I've told you I'm not going to get through go through this again and again. How I, no. I mean, you, you, you know, you're at work. When you go to practice, you're at work, okay? You come yeah. in the door, you put your helmet on, you leave your helmet on until I tell you to take your helmet off. When I tell you to get on one knee, that's the only time you get on one knee. You don't get on one knee because you just decided you're tired and you're going to get on one knee. And when you coach, you look down the line at the coaches and you look at them. And if the last guy in line is talking and not listening to what I'm correcting on the first guy, I'm going to ask you, what the hell are you talking about? Come up here and tell us. Because if you coach the first guy at a technique, the last guy in line should be listening to that technique. So when he comes up, he doesn't make the same damn mistake. And if you're the last guy, you've heard nine corrections. So you ought to do it pretty good yeah. and not be joking around and smiling in the back or looking at another drill and all that type of stuff. So listen, buddy, I got to go. Yes. But I wanted to thank you and our and happy new year to you and everybody is great to be back and start a new season for us too. Sounds good, coach. Thank you for uh, coming on again and we'll talk to you again next week. Thank you. And thanks to everyone else out there for listening to the Peristyle podcast. We will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.